welcome to Beyond the Benefits by Savoy Associates. My name is Chris Vanderwell. I'm the Senior Vice President of Employer Services and Compliance. And with me today is Wendy Ebner, our Vice President of Strategic Partnerships. So Wendy, welcome. Thank you for coming today. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Before we jump into what you do here at Savoy, what do you do outside of Savoy? So I enjoy uh, travel. I enjoy anything involving home design, decoration, flower arranging, and music, Pilates. I'm kind of a uh, creature of a lot of, of different things <laughs> going on. I, I'm a kindred spirit. I have several hobbies that all take up a lot of time, and I don't know where we find the time, but we always do. Yes. So I asked this to somebody else. You said travel. One of the hardest questions to answer if you've been to more than one place is where's the favorite place? At this point, I would say definitely Italy. Okay. Definitely. And I am craving more. So my, my plan is to get back to Europe and see more of Italy. So interestingly enough, one of your coworkers said exactly the same thing. It was Italy. I think I need to put that on my list. Yes. So what does a vice president of strategic partnerships do at Savoy Associates? Yeah, so I help brokers grow their business. I make sure that they are taking advantage and leveraging all of the resources that we have. But essentially, it's getting super custom and coming up with a plan that really uniquely fits a certain broker's profile and desire to growth. And that can be different every day, which is one of the greatest parts of the jobs is that it's always a different day and an opportunity to be creative. And so what is your favorite part? You said that was a great part. What's your favorite part of your role? Honestly, helping people, you know, knowing that you can be part of a solution. It's not an easy business. It moves fast. Even the greatest students who, you know, do read everything that comes their way. It's hard to digest. It's hard to make um, what you're hearing apply in real life. So being in the aggregator role that we are, we see a lot of brokers business all at once and we have a unique ability to sort of dumb it down and get it out fast. And that's super helpful to some people. And that's the part that I think we're valued for a lot and it makes me feel great. So some people that listen to this podcast, but actually by the time this goes out, I will have already taken the bar exam and hopefully passed. But one of the things that they talk about in bar prep is the honey test. And what that means is you really understand something if you can explain it to your honey, to your to your partner, to your mm-hmm. spouse, to your your husband, your wife. Mm-hmm. And I think that is kind of where we fit in, like you're talking about, yeah. with insurance and benefits is mm-hmm. you pass the honey test. Now, we do love our brokers, but we, we can talk to their clients and importantly, their employees Absolutely. about what these complicated rules really break down to. Mm-hmm. For sure. So how did you get into employee benefits? probably by accident, like many of us, right? I was a student at Rutgers Camden and my mother was working for HIP at the time. She was the secretary to the medical director. And there was a position for front desk collecting the co-pays in the clinic. And the whole coup was, hey, you can bring your books and study at the desk. All you're doing is collecting. So I got to be friendly with the sales manager. Every day he'd leave at five o'clock as I got in. I did mm-hmm. the night the night hours. And he said, hey, if you end up not sure what you want to do when you grow up, you can always have a sales job here. So my track was going to be TV communications. I worked for CBS as an intern for a little bit. And he's like, you know, it's not really where the money's at. You know, the money's in the sales of any kind, not necessarily um, being on air, so to speak. So I gave it a whirl and loved it. And that led to about 15 years on the carrier side before I moved over to the broker side. So 15 years on the carrier side, a couple of years on the broker side. Yeah. How? A couple of times, many. How has your carrier experience helped you on the GA side? Yeah. So I started out with a lot of 
provider exposure. I did some physician recruitment. I did some NCQA accreditation help. So I really got to understand the group model, the payer, the fee-for-service, the referrals, the CPT code. So I really grew up on the provider side. You played whack-a-mole. I did. <laughs> yeah. And then I was direct sales for two carriers and direct sales is, is pretty much like being a broker, right? Mm -hmm. you're, you're repping for one company and the challenge is that your success is contingent on whether or not that any underwriter that year wants to buy market share or not. But, you know, you become empathetic to the fact that clients have this big thing called health insurance that's their second to payroll mm -hmm. um, biggest expense and really the motivation for me to get out of the carrier side and over to the broker side is i wanted to be able to help them beyond what one carrier had one to offer. tool yeah and at the time i worked for a group model hip they know mm -hmm. back in the day they had a zero copay it was hmo only you know there was not as much room for creativity and product so it was time. Yeah, you have one one tool, and that was the tool that everybody yeah, got. Yeah. That wasn't the right tool. If you needed a screwdriver and you had a hammer, yeah, you weren't going to get what you needed. Yeah. So you are one of the most energetic people I know. You are out and about. I see you at every industry function. I I know you're out and about. You keep me busy. You keep me on the road with you, and I love it. I love being out with brokers. What keeps you motivated? Um, I think it's back to the same answer as the prior question, which is helping people. I mean, I am naturally competitive. I'm social. I got a little FOMO, fear of missing out. I got a little, uh, <laughs> I got a little bit of that grit scrapper in me that always has something to prove to myself to to get going and not miss out on a thing. So I, I think it's I'm driven by success. I'm driven by team. I'm driven by pleasing other people and making sure that what we're doing for them matches expectations. So you have been through a couple of renewal cycles. What experience, or what rather, what advice would you give to people just starting out in this industry? Yeah, so best advice that was ever given to me was one of our brokers to, who was an employee here once, Matt Roy, told me, don't stress in trying to learn every single nitty gritty detail about every carrier, every line of business. Focus on the carrier that dominates the market or two, which is the 80-20 rule, right? Learn that like you work there, learn their product better than some of their reps even know their product. And I don't want to say fake it till you make it, but resource the rest, network, make sure you treat people right and you have the ability to lean on them with dumb questions without feeling stupid and um, give yourself a break because I think a lot of people get intimidated in the jargon of this industry, the, all the acronyms, the fact that the carriers don't speak the same language. And I think one of the hardest parts in coming into it is thinking you're dumb, thinking you're not catching on and not realizing that in a year you're going to look back and say, oh my gosh, all this time, what they were explaining, I already knew. I just didn't understand the language. Mm -hmm. And the riches are in the niches Yeah. and know what you need to know. Yeah. And you will eventually learn what you need to know. Yeah. There's a lot going on in this business. I don't, I don't know everything. I don't, I don't try to know everything. I don't, I couldn't tell you what the underwriting guidelines were for yeah. most insurance carriers. I don't do that. That's not yeah. what people come to me for. Yeah. They, they find me elsewhere. Right. right. <laughs> so over the next 12 to 18 months, what do you think people in the industry, even those who are experienced, should keep their eyes on? Um, I think the trend of level funded is one to keep an eye on and not because it's bad or good, but because it was something that the state fought or sort of wasn't fully sure they were happy about in particular i'm talking about the new jersey small employer risk pool and what this trend of level funding in that under 50 market might do i think we have to keep an eye on that you know i'm interested to see if reference-based pricing actually gets 
a fair shake. It seems like it was making some traction, but there's a lot of groups out there that I think still feel skepticism around the whole hassle with balanced billing, but it's the next logical step, right? So I would say those two things. Yeah, those are big things to watch. So the, the small employer health pool went from about 900,000 lives before the ACA to now it's down to about a quarter of a million. And some of them have, some of that was husband and wife groups that disappeared as part of the ACA's definition of an employer. Some of that is going to PEOs. Some of that's going to self-funding. Some of that is just businesses going away. Mm -hmm. uh, but anytime you see a risk pool go from 900,000 to 250,000, alarms and flags should be going off and there will be something to keep an eye on for sure. Mm -hmm. So last question for you today, if you could wave a magic wand and change any one thing about our industry, what would it be? So I actually would say two things, if I, if I may. One, the pendulum swinging, like we're talking about, I've been in this so long now that I see everything that comes around goes around. So while we're gonna keep an eye on the small employer, even if that thing becomes so eroded and full of only bad risk, inevitably something else will pop up. So it's the exciting part of the job that you always have to be on your toes, but it is the exhausting part of the job that you can never really rest on your laurels. This is an evolving thing. And of course, the, the risk to everyone is that if we're not a part of the solution, then we're part of the problem. And mm -hmm. that's not a good place to be when you hear a single payer. So the second thing that I would love to see a little bit more of a spotlight on is the pharma because I think that it's great that the US has the biggest R&D and we you know, create drugs that the rest of the world benefit from, but the price of the drug component is the strangle. And, and it's the only spot really that the whole world's afraid to look at because we know big pharma controls a lot of things. So there's gotta be something that can be done in that arena. I know that you know we've got the big conversation right now about PBMs and are they just another layer? And then you've got all these discount drug cards on top of PBAs out there. So I, I just think it's an, an opportunity for us as an industry to do better. Yeah, we're seeing miracles happen through science mm -hmm. and cures, specialty drugs that are absolutely making things happen that could not have even been imagined before with diseases actually being cured for people, but it comes with a huge dollar price tag. And is there a way we can lower that price while still keeping the miracles? How do we, how do we balance that? And, I, I do hope that we can figure out a way to do that just like you, because mm -hmm. it's wonderful to see what is happening with these specialty drugs coming mm -hmm. along that are slowing Alzheimer's and yeah. reversing years of bad effects and helping people in such unimaginable ways that if it weren't for modern science would never have happened. Mm -hmm. But we can't do it at the cost of bankrupting people. Yeah. If, if they can't mm -hmm. afford the cure, the cure doesn't really exist. So how do we make that work? That's and right. I'm with you. Well, Wendy, I look forward to our next meeting together, which I know will be soon. For those of you who are listening, you can usually catch Wendy and I on the road together a couple of days a week. And thank you for coming in today. And we will talk to you soon. My pleasure, Chris. Thank you.